Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Dee. Fall is here. Fall is here because we got a storm. We got a storm last night, and guess what didn't happen? You didn't lose your internet. I didn't lose my internet. And all my flowers are rejoicing because the temperature is only going to be 82 degrees today. Yay! I thought the flowers were rejoicing because you didn't lose your internet. <laughs> well, that too. They, they don't really care so much about my internet, but I sure do. So we're recording in the morning again, and you wanted to tell me all about your breakfast. Oh my gosh, this morning I made um, scrambled eggs just with, you know, oil spray in the pan. I'm trying to lose weight, everybody, but isn't that always my life? Anyway, um... In it, in my scrambled eggs, I did habanada peppers. And I can attest that habanada habanero peppers have no heat. You just get that delicious fruity taste. I think they would be really good in salads. Oh, wow. Those, I did not grow those, and now I want to. I have a great idea of what to do with habanada peppers, D. What? 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 Oh, my God. It would be the greatest practical joke in the world. <laughs> of course. You could, because don't they look like habaneros? Yeah, they look like long habaneros, yes. So you could you could go up to somebody with that habanero and say, would you give me $100 to eat this without drinking any water or milk? Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. And you're like, watch me. And then you'd eat the habanada. And then they'd have to hand you $100. I mean, that is a fabulous idea. I can't wait to see you try this on Passersby next year. Why would you do that? Because it just, it just sounded fun or you could scare somebody and think, oh, my God, you cannot eat a whole habanero pepper. You can but eat, then you eat it. You can eat a habanada easily <laughs> because habanadas just it's, taste very fruity. They're delicious, actually. Yes. Anyway, we will include a link on the show notes to the source for habanada because I think people will want to grow it. It's also pretty. For the, for the, for it's pretty. It tastes good. And what a great practical joke that oh will be. Oh my gosh. People will be writing in going, I tested that on my friend. <laughs> just don't, just don't grow habaneros and get the two mixed up and end up saying you eat a whole habanero and end up eating the actual one. Yeah. That would be bad. And habaneros aren't the uh, hottest of the peppers. The ghost pepper's hotter, but I, you know, yes, I don't or, have to be that tough. No, I don't either. I don't need no but, Carolina Reaper in my life either. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> but we're not really talking about peppers today. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we wanted to give a shout out to that pepper. Yeah, because it was delicious. We're going to talk about... What's the flower of fall, D? I would say, other than asters, it's the chrysanthemum. And we have a quote. A chrysanthemum by any other name would be easier to spell by William J. Johnston. When I saw that quote, I laughed myself silly. Yeah, because chrysanthemum had another name. It was dendranthema, right. which is not easier to spell. No. Or say. No, in fact, it's harder. Because we're used to saying chrysanthemum. I guess it was didranthema way back in 1961, and it has something to do with different types of mums. But for all of us who are just really regular gardeners, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because the National 
No, international. International Botanical Congress in 1995 ruled, and by the way, that's the body that determines plant scientific names. I didn't even know it was a thing. That shows how dumb I am. Anyway, in 1995, they decided that we could all call it chrysanthemum. And I'm really glad because... I am too. I just call it mum. I grow mums. Me too. So when we're talking about chrysanthemums, we aren't really talking about the ones that you buy at the pumpkin stand in the fall. You know, the ones that are shaped like... Bowling balls. Bowling balls. Yeah. Yeah. Rounded. Bowling balls. Rounded. We aren't really talking about those, although those are chrysanthemums. And I buy um, we're some. We're talking about the ones. I buy some of those. I do too. I do too. Because you know what? They're a good shot of color. I usually put them in my front uh, garden beds, my borders, because there's nothing blooming in there and it's kind of tired looking. And I put out my pumpkins and I put out my talavera pottery and then I put those in really pretty terracotta pots and they last if you well as long as we're talking about those if you're gonna buy those buy them when they barely show color exactly because you know what color you're getting a but it won't be bloomed out do not buy the ones that are already in bloom because they'll only last a week or so you want them to slowly come into flower yeah, if you buy it in full flower, um, the only reason I'd buy it in full flower is if you needed color right then for a party or something, and the next day you didn't care, because they won't last more than a couple of days in full bloom. Yeah, they don't last long, long at all. So, But what we were actually referring to are the good old-fashioned garden mums, which I love because they bloom the same time as asters, and they often have a beautiful open flower, and two I can think of right off the top of my head are Country Girl and Will's Wonderful. And I've been trying to get you to grow Will's Wonderful because it is really wonderful. Kind of a rosy, pinkish, purple with a pretty little daisy eye. And it's beloved by pollinators. Exactly. Pollinators. Pollinators love it. So, um, and in fact, I have pictures of monarch butterflies on it. And anything I can do to help butterflies, especially the monarchs, you know how crazy I am for monarchs, um, I'm going to help them. And bees love it too. So those two, Country Girl and Will's Wonderful, are both great garden mums. I grow some others too. Um, And pretty soon, I'm looking outside my window right now. I saw my kitchen door actually. And all of those mums are ready to bloom in about two weeks, I would say. Yeah, and I think mine are probably ready in another week. I have a ton of what they call the Igloo Series. And the brand is Roseanne and Friends based on the geranium roseanne, which is also very pretty. Um, okay. But I, they've sent me, over the last several years, I've always gotten a different igloo type. And they still, they still call them dendranthemum on their website, but they are chrysanthemums. Right. Um, Aldrodanthema are chrysanthemums. Oh, I just saw a hummingbird. Sipping nectar outside. Nice. That's why we garden, isn't it? That is. Um, what I was going to ask you is about the Igloo series. I assume they're cold, really cold hardy, and that's why they're called that. They're cold hardy to zone four. Okay, so like Will's Wonderful is cold hardy to zone five. So they're a little more cold hardy than Will's Wonderful, and I haven't looked up Country Girl to see how hardy it is. I know it's hardy in zone seven. almost. And I was going to also say, if you want to keep those basketball mums, and put them in the ground in Oklahoma or Texas, they will bloom for you again next year, but they won't have that shape anymore, of course, because it takes 
months of work, trim, trim, trimming to get them to look like that. Right. And, um, and people, I always get questions about moms. And actually, my sister texted me the other day, and a friend of her said, are they going to talk about moms on the podcast? Because I have questions. Really? Yeah. Well, did they have, did they tell you the questions? Well, yeah, the questions are always the same. Um, mm-hmm. The one question people ask is, how do I get them to come back every year? And so yeah. the answer is, you don't put them in a container and then later in October or whenever plant them in the ground. You need to plant them in the ground in Indiana as soon as you buy them. And no later than, I'd say, the second week of October. You plant them in the ground. Okay. And then you've got to keep them watered, obviously. And then don't cut them back until spring when you see the first bits of green growth coming up. Then you can cut back all the brown stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I cut mine back, um, I don't know, in the early spring, whenever. Yeah. I mean, whenever I'm doing the rest of the garden. I don't even think about it, honestly. Right. And I don't Cool. I don't necessarily think about the, we'll call them the bowling ball mums that you buy, because I, yeah. I hope people realize that if they do overwinter them in the ground and they come up the next spring, they're not getting a bowling ball shape. They're getting a nice, free, open plant, and I think it looks nicer and more natural. And then if, you know. Oh, I do too. I do too. So the ones I buy that are all, I just put those out in containers like you do. And then I pull them out when I put my uh, Christmas greens on top of the container. I do too. Pretty much exactly the same thing. They're just decor for me, outdoor decor. And then one thing, and we talked about this when I was in horticulture school in college, is perennial mums are what they call photoperiodic, meaning they bloom in response to shorter days and longer nights and so because of this trait you don't want to grow them near artificial lights because the lights can disturb their bloom cycle and I remember a professor telling us that there was a greenhouse that had a big outdoor light right by it and they couldn't figure out why the mums weren't sending bud and it was because that artificial light was so bright it was keeping them from um, realizing that the days are getting shorter. So that's one thing about moms. Most gardeners will never have to worry about that. It's just something interesting. Right, because because they're not doing greenhouse management. Exactly. Greenhouse management, you would definitely need to remember that. That's not unlike what you have to do with um, poinsettias. They have issues also right. but about light. How interesting. I didn't, I didn't ever think about that. I just knew that they bloomed when the days grew shorter. So and you can, sense. if you're growing perennial mums, like the Will's, what is that one called, Will's Wonder? Will's, Will's Will. Wonderful and Country. So Will. they benefit from a little shot of fertilizer in the spring before they set bud, just to kind of plump them up a little mm-hmm. bit. And then if you do want to um, control the shape, remember to do what I call the Indy 500 chop at the end of May, cut them back about half. So there'll be more branching, mm-hmm. more blooms, and you call that the Chelsea chop. Um, but they're towards the end of May, right? So you want to you want to chop them back. And I'm actually looking outside, and I see one of mine trailed over into the pathway. Sometimes in Oklahoma, you need to chop them back twice. I chopped these back in spring, but this is I can't remember the total name of this one, Emperor something. But this mum, it just wants to flop. So if you have floppy mums. Just put a support 
um, against them or hoist them back up and they'll right. be fine. In fact, I'm going to go out and do that after this podcast. So anyway, uh, we'll put a link to Roseanne and Friends to the Igloo series. And then we should try to find a source for Will's Wonderful and put a link to that. We can do that. Now, and everybody will be ready for mum planting. And if I didn't answer all my sister's questions, then she'll just have to text me again. Or other people who have questions can send them to us at thegardenangelist at gmail.com or on our Facebook page or on our Instagram page. I've been having quite the conversation this morning about garlic and garlic chives, which was last week's episode. Not about garlic chives, about garlic. Although we could have mentioned garlic chives, which is Dee's nemesis. All right, so we're moving on to the veggies. That just brings us to veggies. It does bring us to veggies. And I have a quote. Go for the quote. I hate eating vegetables. The only vegetables I eat are lettuce on a burger. That's Chance the Rapper. Since Chance the Rapper is a wonderful dad... I imagine his wife is going to try to work on the work on getting their kids to eat a few more vegetables than lettuce on a burger, but men sometimes are like that. So what vegetable are we discussing today? Well, chrysanthemums are edible. Are we discussing those? No, we already did. Now we've moved on to the vegetable. I gave you a hint. I know, but I just wanted to point out that chrysanthemums are edible. <laughs> I'm not going to eat a chrysanthemum. Even deer don't really want to eat chrysanthemums because they're no. kind of fuzzy. They're disgusting. We're obviously talking about lettuce. Yes, lettuce, discuss lettuce. Because lettuce is something that you can grow in the fall in the garden because it likes cool weather. In fact, you can't grow it in the heat of summer. Not in our states. I hear that no. back east you can, but I don't know. When I used to watch the Victory Garden show, he always talked about summer lettuce, and I would giggle behind my hand. But in Oklahoma and Indianapolis, we cannot grow lettuce in the summer. We can, but it'll bolt and taste bitter, and then nobody will have any. So we like to grow it in the spring, and we like to grow it in the fall. And since we're discussing fall gardening... Well, we should also say bolting means it sends up a flower stalk. Yes, which pollinators like. Because pollinators yes. love simple flowers. So if you want to let some of your lettuce bolt in after spring, go ahead. I've done it before. Mustard is a good one, too. But we we're talking about lettuce for the fall, and lettuce for the fall is so good. And often in Oklahoma, the fall season is a little bit longer than the spring one. Because sometimes we get that heat in there really early. So maybe we should talk. Do you want to talk about our giveaway yet? And then we can discuss more about lettuce. Yes, let's tell the people we're very excited to have a a giveaway being sponsored by Botanical Interest, which has wonderful seeds. And so give them the details, Dee. Okay, so we we talked with Botanical Interest Seeds last week, and um, we worked out a deal, and we're going to post this on our Instagram. But let me tell you really quickly about the vegetable seeds they're sending that can be fall sown. There's a chef's medley mesclun, and a mesclun actually means mix of lettuces. Sometimes it also has arugula in it. There's kale red boar, which is that beautiful red kale. There's beet touchstone, arugula wild, And wild arugula is even a little bit perennial. And so it's supposed to be really awesome. I've never grown it. I'm excited. I hope I get these seeds. Uh, Me too. Carnival Carnival carrots, which is a rainbow selection of carrots. And I grew purple carrots this year in the spring, and I loved them. Uh, Pea cascadia. I've grown that. Have you grown cascadia pea? 
No, but now I want to. It's powdery mildew resistant, which is a really good thing for fall. Easter egg radishes, I've grown those. Watermelon radishes, I've grown those. They're delicious and beautiful. And matador spinach and celebration Swiss chard. And I think they are also going to give our listeners a 2020 calendar that's not even on the web yet. Wow, this is a great a great giveaway. So we're thrilled to say that we're going to do this, and by this is the way you can enter. The day this podcast drops, I will put on Instagram, on our Instagram page, the it, it's, a, it's a bright banner, and it says enter here, basically. And so you're going to comment underneath that, and hopefully also you will share this with your friends, because we're not giving away one of these. We're giving away five, five of these. Yeah, five. So there's lots of chances to win, and we hope you'll share it. And I think we're also going to ask you, if you don't already follow us, to please follow us and to please follow Botanical Interests. Is that about it? That is about it. And that is a wonderful giveaway, not just of lettuce, which is great to sow in the fall, but of all kinds of fall-sown vegetables. So it's exciting. And sometimes in my state, I know not in yours, but sometimes in my state, if I sow these vegetables in the fall and they don't either come up because we get a really fast cold snap or it's still a little too warm. Um, They will sit in the soil and then in spring, early, early spring, I will get a rush of these vegetables. And remember that even if you don't get beets, you can eat beet greens and beet greens are delicious. So more about lettuce. Um, Lettuce and, well, frankly, any vegetable that you grow in your garden is so much better than what you can buy in the stores. It is. It's uh, sweeter and crisper. And what I like to do is I grow some in a container up by the back door. And then when I'm making a sandwich and I think, oh, lettuce would be nice on this sandwich, I can just step outside, pick some lettuce, wash it off, pat it dry, throw it on there. And it's so good. It is so good. And in my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide, I did what was called a lettuce bowl. And I did lettuces in a spiral shape inside a bowl-shaped container. And we ate off those. I did that in the fall, and we ate off those for about a month. And it was really, really good. So there's lots and lots of ways to do lettuce. You can do it in containers. You can do it in raised beds. You can do it in um, cold frames. And sometimes I will also grow some stuff in cold frames and then cover them up so that I can harvest throughout wintertime. So why lettuce gets bitter? Why does it get bitter? Because when it bolts and goes to seed? Right. Uh, probably a chemical change in the leaves somehow that I don't really understand. Do you have a more technical explanation, Dee? No, I don't have a technical explanation. Um, it does. It gets bitter. And so some of the lettuces now, they have made them so that you don't, they don't make that flower stalk, but the leaves still do get better, bitter. And it is a chemical change, but I didn't write down the chemical. And then let's talk a little bit about pelleted seed. Lettuce seed is tiny, 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 tiny. And so sometimes they put like a little coating, and I don't even know what the coating is, Dee, to make it a bigger seed that it it still will germinate. Um, So pelleted seed is good for little hands, little children's hands, because they have a little bit of trouble. You can also mix lettuce seed with uh, some sand and then just use the sand as your guide to do it. So, Yes, and I've seen people do that. I've also seen people make a seed tape out of, and this is going to sound weird, toilet paper. 
So you interesting. You take a and you you take a single ply of toilet paper. So you pull it apart, and then you use. Um, and you might not want to do this because of your um, gluten sensitivity, but you make a paste out of like flour, or you could do it with cornstarch, and then you just drop the seed on the tape, and it's kind of glued down with a bit of um, cornstarch and water mixture or flour and water mixture. Then you can just take that out to the garden and lay the tape on the soil and just lightly cover it, and you'll get even spacing. And Dee's shaking her head at me, saying, no, ain't nobody doing it. Oh, I did Oh, my gosh, no. I did it. I am not doing that. I did it once. It works. I, I bet it works great, but what a pain in the rear end. Okay. I'm not doing that. I'm just scattering that lettuce seed and thinning. You know, life is too short. Okay. You can also grow, especially if you live in a warm climate, you can grow lettuce in... Uh, in small containers under lights, you can get it to sprout and later transplant it to the garden. You can also buy lettuce starts at your nursery, but you don't have to. Seed is perfectly fine and doesn't it doesn't take very long to germinate. No, it doesn't. So that's our plan for fall sowing of vegetables. And everyone should be sure to check us out on Instagram, find our entry post, comment there, share it with your friends. We have five packages or five sets of these packages of seeds to give away from botanical interests. We would love to have you guys follow us. Those of you who don't follow us already on Instagram, we would love to have you follow us. And botanical interests always offers really great information online on their various pages too. So let's talk about our dirt. Our dirt. So a couple of weeks ago, we went to the garden comp conference and we got tons of information. And today we're going to share about, Wool pellets from from Wild Valley Farms. This is super exciting, Dee. I'm very excited about this product. Um, it, it was a couple of farmers who had extra wool, and they discovered that it was great for his wife's vegetable garden and her flower garden. And so they started making these wool pellets. Tell us all about them, Carol. Okay, so the wool pellets are the scraps of wool after they shear the sheeps that just ends up on the barn floor and they were just throwing it away. And then, like you said, they mixed it up with some of the potting soil and they got amazing results in terms of water retention so they didn't have to water as often and they discovered that their 9% fertilizer, nitrogen, 1% phosphorus, 2% potassium, high in sulfur, high in iron, and so it acts as a slow-release fertilizer. And they've done extensive testing with universities trying this product, and the results have been amazing. They have been amazing. And my first thought when we were sitting in this new products uh, seminar was, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to use those in my containers, especially hanging baskets in Oklahoma. As everyone in Oklahoma knows, hanging baskets are really hard here. And so if you added some of these pellets to your soil, your potting soil, not regular soil, you could actually, it, it'll help it retain more water. And also they've done all this testing to show that the plants grow bigger, which is cool too. So I'm going to mix it in with my potting soil next spring. They gave us some packages and actually you don't need that much. And then they also have a potting soil with it already in there. And I took a picture of you with those when we were at uh, the trade show at GardenCom. So I, I, this is one of the products that I was most excited about. 
I was too. And they said that, um, uh, here's the other good thing about it. It's waste wool from ranches and farms. So this would have been thrown away. But instead, they're being able to use it. And what I like is, um, and I don't want to make fun of those people with the gel beads, but those gel beads, you never wanted to take that potting soil and stick it back in your garden. This is an all-natural product. It's listed with the Organic Materials Review Institute, OMRI, which we've talked about before. So it's it's just getting out. The word's getting out. We're excited. Um, they You can go directly to their website, and we'll have links to Wild Valley Farms on our show notes. They said you can also buy it at Amazon. But go to your local hardware store. Um, they said like Ace Hardware and Places. Go and ask them. Ask for it. Ask for it. Because we want this, honestly, we want this to go national. Um, it's more of a regional product at the present time other than the testing they've done. It's really new. And everybody at GardenCom was super excited about this product. And I don't, and they have paid us nothing to even no. talk about this product. These guys are just farmers. And anytime we can help farmers, and also anytime we can upcycle something that was just going to go in a landfill, I say that's a win-win. Exactly. And I'm going to take, I got, I picked up the brochure. I'm going to take the brochure down to my local greenhouse and, uh, or a copy of it. Cause I want to keep the brochure. I'm going to tell them that they ought to check this out because it reduces watering needs by 25% adds fertilizer. And some of the pictures that show the tomato, like tomato plants grown with and without, it's just amazing. It is. It's amazing. So if we haven't convinced you that's an amazing product, we're sad. So it's I'm I'm very excited about it. I'm going to try it next year and we're just really happy about it. And that's one of the reasons we go to GardenCom. It isn't just for the great gardens. It's not just for the great networking with other garden communicators. It's because we learn about new products that aren't even hardly on the market yet. Right. So that's exciting and we have another Next week, we have another product that we're going to talk about that we saw there that isn't new, but nobody knows about it hardly, and we're excited about it too. Um, I also want to talk about butterflies. Can we talk about butterflies? Yes. We have time to talk about butterflies, Dee. We always have time to talk about butterflies. So if you want to know about how monarchs are doing, how other migrating creatures are doing, you can go to a website called Journey North. And Journey North has a specific monarch page where citizen scientists, we've talked about this a little bit before, they report butterfly sightings, roost sightings, which is where the butterflies sleep at night. These are monarchs. And then they also talk about eggs and caterpillar sightings. And so by by citizen scientists doing this all over um Canada and also the United States, they also have a Western section, which deals with California butterflies, California monarchs, which are a separate migrating group. They show exactly where the migration is. And right now, as of, as of when we're recording this, it's, it's in kind of the Ohio, Salt Lake, not Salt Lake, Ohio, South Dakota area right now. Um, there are also some up in Ontario, Canada. The exciting thing about this is, they're coming down, and there's a lot of them. And we, just a few years ago, we thought we were going to lose monarchs, but people all over the country have planted um, butterfly gardens and a lot of milkweed. And because of that, I really believe that we're starting to save the monarchs. Also, in Oklahoma, there's a big group that are working together to plant 
milkweed gardens and other butterfly gardens all over the state, especially along the highways, and they know where the known migration path is. So great group working together. The migration looks hopeful again this year. Last year was a great year, so I'm excited. I'm excited too, Dee. They should be hitting Indiana, and we're recording this a little bit before it's actually going to post, but we will see them fairly soon, and it's always a wonderful day when you've got butterflies in your garden. And and just so that you think I'm not totally all about monarchs, although I love them dearly, um, I've seen a bunch of giant swallowtails in my garden just in the last few weeks. So giant swallowtails are amazing. I've seen tiger swallowtails, eastern tiger swallowtails. I've seen a lot of different butterflies. And now I plant specifically larval plants for all of these to try to help them out. You're better than me, Dee. I plant plants for myself. That's not true. I'm just you kidding. Have, you have I have plants for plants. butterflies, too. I do. I've seen a lot of painted ladies in my garden. Yeah, there was a... Butterfly. There was a painted... Yeah, butterfly. Butterfly. There butterflies. was a painted lady butterfly explosion in the West this spring because they had a lot of rain. And so it was very exciting. And people were talking about that in Salt Lake City, which was cool. So it's been great cool. chatting with you. I loved it, Dee. We've covered moms. We've covered lettuce. We've covered the wool pellets that we're excited about and butterflies. We've done it all. We have. This is an exciting, jam-packed session. Right. And everyone, please don't forget the giveaway. Comment on the specific post on Instagram to be entered to win one of five prizes. Very exciting. And get your fall garden on. Amen. Lovely to talk with you, Dee. So folks can find us on Instagram where we are the Gardenangelist. And then I'm Indy Gardner and you're Red Dirt Ramblings. On Facebook, we're the Gardenangelist. I'm May Dreams Gardens. Maybe I should change that. And you're Red Dirt Ramblings. We're also on Twitter. Find Indy Gardner, Red Dirt Ramblings, and the Gardenangelist. And always, you can email us at thegardenangelist at gmail.com. We'll have that address on our show notes. As always, it's great chatting with you over the garden gate. Bye now. Bye, Dee.